not their rural rural areas. Right. So we should all move to rural areas. Mm -hmm. Then they would be. I know. Yeah, <laughs> we can fix it like that, yeah. right? <laughs> we can just shift everything. Okay. You're taking my cash. Why? Yeah, I've seen that one. And with a rock. Yeah. Yeah. He get, he was positive, right? Yeah. entirely. Yeah, that's true. So true. Okay, we'll get started this morning. I don't know what time it is. I forgot to put my watch on. Oh, we got to go, y'all. Golly, what in the world? What in the world? I, I know. I got to get talking. Okay, let's just open in prayer. If you got an unspoken need, they're all unspoken this morning. So let's just raise our hand and we'll pray. <laughs> we got a brother, though, I know that, who has. And Melinda Bright tested positive for coronavirus, but she's doing fine. Um, Yes, and she's still sick, Letha. So let's, let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, that you hear and answer prayer, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would just minister healing over those who are sick among us, Lord God. You said that if anyone is sick among us, Lord God, that we would pray. The elders of the church would pray. Lord, they're not here for us to anoint with oil, Lord God, but we just send out the anointing of the Holy Spirit and ask that you would raise them up, that you would minister health and peace and healing to them right now. We know, Lord God, that we stand in a covenant of healing, Lord God, for you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals us, Lord God. That you, that you heal all of our diseases, Lord God. And we stand in, in the faith of knowing that that completed sacrifice was enough to restore us totally, Lord God. We commit ourselves to your word. We commit ourselves to your work, Lord God. Open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so I have like my, my regular weekly thing is I get up in the morning and I spend usually a couple of hours, sometimes more, just in, just in reading and in devotion and, and I journal. And I know that not everybody has that kind of time, but I do in this point in my life, so that's what I do. I haven't always had that, but I do now. And so this week, and I will normally write curriculum. I have notebooks and I'll write curriculum. I have things that I have written that was during the quarantine that I haven't even touched yet. And I'm working on another curriculum for this class. I call it curriculum because it's what we're going to follow on rest. I haven't touched that yet. And so Tuesday I wrote a lesson that would probably take me three weeks in order to break it up, to cover it. And I, I, I didn't bring that today. And so it's just like nothing. You know what I mean? Like the Lord's like nothing. I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to talk about? Even this morning, I'm like, I've got all this. Lord. That's what I normally do when I can't find what God wants me to talk about. I will just open, I'll go through books. This one, this one, God, there's nothing on it. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody who knows who's ever taught or preached, there's just nothing on it. 
And I'll go, this one, I'll read it a little bit. I'll go, that's good. There's nothing on it. So this is the process. This morning, I was nearly late because I'm still sitting at my desk at 8.15, giving the Lord options. And he's like, I've already told you what I wanted you to give. I'm like, yeah, yeah, well, I didn't want to do that one, though. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's how it all, you know. And so usually I have found that out to be true. When the Lord is silent in my life, it's because I'm not acting on what he's already told me. You know, so that's, so this is, I just give you that this morning. And I want to start with, um, I just want to ask you the question this morning. How many of you are among the two million who have listened to Dana Coverstone's prophecy? Raise your hand. I'm among the two of me. Okay, so some of you have. Some your others are like, well, I don't know what that is. Yeah, you don't even know who it is. No, I didn't either until just the other day. He's a, a pastor in Kentucky, a similarly God pastor, and he's he's been used in the gift of dreams, uh, prophetic dreams, for years since he was he said 15, and then he delivered a, a word, a dream back in December to his men's ministry, because he had a dream, and it was of a calendar. And um, that calendar, the Lord began to, it was, he had this dream in December of 2019. A calendar appeared before him, and the calendar went December, it was gone, January, it was like January, February, March, and it landed on March. And there was a man in the dream, a white figure, and he pointed to March. Now, now imagine, now this is happening in December. He pointed to March, underlined the word March, and pointed at it three times, tap, tap, tap. Then the calendar went again, March, April, May, June. June appeared. Yes, and the Lord's, and the, the word appeared to him. It said, brace yourself. Then again, came to June, underlined June, and tapped it three times. And brace yourself. Well, after that, he began to see visions of what would happen that he assumed at that time in America. He said, I saw people wearing masks. I saw headlines that said pandemic. Now, some of you are already going, I don't believe he had that before him. That's fine. I'm the same way. Isn't that terrible? We, we, we stand in the Bible. We believe in prophecy, and we hear prophecy so many times. We're like, is that true? And so then he went to his men's ministry. Oh, and he also saw, he saw riots in the street. He saw monuments being toppled. He saw things burning. He saw, he saw all of this. He saw things crazy things that we have just experienced. And so in December, now imagine if you could be, if you could remove all that you've lived through these past few months, and you could rewind to December, and someone told you that, it might seem really far-fetched, wouldn't it? I think it would to all of us. And so he told his men's ministry, he said, now, this is just a rural town in Kentucky. The guy pastors a church of, he said, 80 to 100. He said he gets 10 calls a week. He said he gets 200 a day now. He said, um, he, he said, he told his men's ministry, he said, I had a dream. He said, I just want to share it with you guys and see, I just want something we need to pray about. Well, then as these things started happening, the men's ministry guys were like, hey, pastor, uh, everything you prophesied has come about. And there's a video of these guys who actually stand up there and say, yeah. I mean, these are, these are, you know, one guy, he said, he said, did you know the pastor's visions have gone viral? He said, I don't even know what viral is. I don't even have Facebook. I mean, these guys are, you know, they're like just ordinary humans. Yeah. I mean, 
in a rural area that maybe would be untouched. Well, the rest of the story is this. And you were, we've already gone through that. We're like, cool, this guy, you know. Well, he had another, a subsequent dream. And it started in um, September. And the, the same situation. I mean, I, when I heard the second one, I was like, oh, man. Because I'm going on vacation in August. I just want to make sure I'm going to get my August vacation. That's right. No, I'm going August. It's already done. So here we have, you're like, you're terrible, Andrew. No, no, I'm tired. So we have here, he sees September, the same hand. Tap, tap, tap. I know some of you are like, no, no. September flows away. He says, brace yourself, brace yourself, brace yourself. September, October, November. When November comes... The tapping doesn't happen, but a fist balls up and hits November, and all the numbers, he said, on the calendars go flying. And he said, a voice appeared and said, brace yourself. He said, then instantly he began to see what no one wants to see. He said he saw greater things, greater. He said he saw, he said in his first room, he saw people on ventilators. He saw hospitals. He saw craziness. He saw rioting in the streets. He saw bombs. He saw things that were, I mean, and I say that to you, and probably some of you are like, well, great. I mean, great as in sarcasm. You know, and so many of us, I wondered, I really thought probably more of you had seen that. And so, and he has, he has spoken numerous times now on different venues. Because when I heard it the first time, my first thought was, this guy's hopeless. There's no hope in this. That really was my, he's dire. He's a, in my mind, I thought, he's a prepper. You know, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being a prepper-ish, but there are certain, there's a certain caveat, a person who we think of as being a prepper. You know what I'm saying? And I thought, well, maybe he just spun that way. Maybe just geared that way. And so everything that filters through him is that. Well, since people have reached out to him and they have received some of his, they've interviewed him and so forth. And he did say this. Joe Oden, many of you may know him. He interviewed him on Cindy Jacobs' show. And I listened to that. It's worth going to looking at Cindy Jacobs' Facebook and to hear that subsequent interview because they ask him some questions about these visions and things. So it's good to get the whole content in there. And... Um, he said, one of the things he did say that sort of has alerted me is in the dream, he had a dream about going to the bank. And when he got to the bank, this is right after he had the dream with the second dream of the calendars, he went to the bank and he said, there's a big sign on the bank wall that said, no change available. Now, <laughs> we're, we're in the middle of that, aren't we? He went to the bank and he asked the teller, he said, I need to get some quarters. We're having a yard sale. She said, I'm sorry, you can't get any change. He said, Why? They said, they've stopped making it, and ones and fives will follow. That's, and so with that, you see that, and you say, man, what's going on? Yeah, they saw, he saw an economic collapse is what he, he saw in that dream. And so it sounds really, 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 really dire. It does. I'm not going to lie to you. But as I begin to process this, and I begin to listen, and I begin to think about you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't challenge you to go listen, and he says that. He said, look, I'm not a prophet. Back in 1995, he had a man prophesy over him when he was a youth pastor in Kentucky. 
He said, he says in the middle of revival, he said the, the evangelist pointed him and said, Pastor Dana, he said, I see the Lord's going to use you in prophecy. He said, you're going to prophesy to tens, tens of thousands. He said, no, wait a minute, hundreds of thousands. And he said, he, he listened to that and he thought, What? He said, I never, he said, when I released that, that first video, he said, you have to understand, I had, I had 1,100 friends on Facebook and like 300 followers. He said, I thought, he said, my, my videos get 100 hits. He said, I thought I was talking to 100 people who knew me and who would listen to a 15-minute video. He said, I had no idea I was going to be talking to 2 million people. He said, had I known that I was going to be talking to 2 million people, I might have delivered it differently. I'm talking to people I thought knew me. So, he's, so And he said, as a result of that, people have called him. People have come to his church. He said, on a Sunday morning, he said, I would have... You know, he runs 80 to 100, but of course now they're doing live stream like everybody else is. He said, and I might have 100 people that were watching the live stream. He said, on Easter service, he said, we had three maximum, 300 people that watched the live stream. He said, now, he said, on any given Sunday morning, I have 9,000 people watching my church in Kentucky. And he said, as a result of this, he said, people have begun to stream in and call me and repent and backslidden Christians. And he said, people <clears throat> are beginning to search after the things of God. <clears throat> and so you might ask, well, what's the point? Now, much of what he saw, I, how many of you believe that in prophecy, things can be altered? In, except the biblical, I mean, things that people see many times are warnings that we can pray about to have them, to have them altered I'm not talking about the things that are in the Bible. But someone see, it could be, it depends on what type of prophecy it is. And we have to judge. The Bible says, let one prophesy and let others judge. And that's what I have been doing. I heard this probably, I don't know how long ago, a month ago now. So I have been, I have been trying to hear, God, what are you saying? And what I've come down to in all of that is this. Is that for each and every one of us, the number one thing that we have to have is an up-to-date relationship with Jesus Christ. That, how do you prepare? How many of you have heard all of your life that Jesus is coming? Soon. That Jesus is coming and that we know Paul wrote to Timothy what? In the last days what would come? Wonderful, glorious times that everybody would be skipping and hopping and, and you know, waving banners and, you know, right? That's not what it says. It says in the last days what would come, Randall? perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Heady, high-minded, disobedient to parents. They would be, in other words, lawless. Has anybody seen any evidence of lawlessness? No, it's been really peaceful, hasn't it? No. Hmm. Just this morning, I was watching Fox News. I just turned it on to get to headlines, just to make sure the place hadn't blown up and I didn't know about it. I mean, that's really why I turn on the news every day, is just to see, has the world ended and it just hasn't got to me yet? Honestly. And I, turned on, I saw Portland, Oregon. How many of y'all have seen the videos of Portland, Oregon? Oh, my gosh. 
where mobs have taken control of downtown Portland and they are graffitiing and burning everything. They burned a police station down there. And the, the party in office there, I won't call them, the party in office there says these are just demonstrations, they're fine. Yeah, I mean, we, we're burdened, and I'm thinking, have we lost our ever-loving minds? What is happening in the world around us? What is happening to the church? Perilous times, men would deny the power and settle for a form of godliness. And I think, wow. And as we talked, I talked, as soon as we got that prophecy, the first thing that we did is we prayed about it. And if there's a warning like that, the first persons that I want involved are my kids. It's just what I do. So what do we do? We sent that to our, we have a, a group chat with all our kids on it. We sent that video to them. You know, and then they're instantly all jumping on, like, I don't believe that. I mean, they were, I mean, it was like, you know, different things. And then, wasn't it? I mean, we were, it was like all of us were just in, like, and then one of them would say, well, I think we need to listen to it. Another one would say, that's, no, I don't believe that's fear-mongering. Another one would come on, you know, and then the memes are coming, and, and this is what's happening on our, you know, so we're watching it. But I wanted them to be aware. But then kind of after that initial shock wore off, I thought it was odd. We were in McKinney, and we were talking about, it and kind of everybody settled down from the initial shock of it and Jacob his interpretation of it was so amazing to me I mean he's 18 he said you know in the Bible where it says Jesus says if your right arm offends you to cut it off and if your left eye offends you to do what pluck it out he said because the alternative to having two arms with when one's an offense, or two eyes when one's an offense, is that the whole of you is destroyed in hell, right? He said, wouldn't it be better if the Lord used whatever's coming forward in the future as a type of severing of that which is in disabling his church? I thought, that's pretty... That's pretty good logic for an 18-year-old. He said, and I would rather have eternity and have my heart right than be so corrupted in a world and have two arms for just this long. I thought, wow, that's a pretty good hermeneutic on that scripture because I hadn't seen anybody resisting sin to the point that they're ready to. Because Jesus is not saying for people to do that, obviously. It's hyperbole. He's using hyperbole to say, be so fastidious against whatever will keep you from the kingdom of God to the point of dismemberment of yourself if need be. And I wonder in the church if we have become so disgusted by our own disobedience enough and our own complacency and our own compromise to the point that we would disenfranchise from things that bring us comfort and convenience. Does that make sense? 
that we that when we hear a prophecy like that our first response is oh no what's going to happen to me that was my first response or whether it happens or not is really of little consequence to me i've thought about it long enough it's of little consequence to me but what is important is who hears the message of the cross and where we're going for the future and what this means for you <clears throat> as an individual. And if our lives are postured before the Lord and if we are actually taking up the task at hand, what it may look like, I don't know. I went back and I read in my journal, this is no, dated November the 9th, 2016. I mean, you can see the date. I haven't falsified anything. November the 9th, 2016, it says, after the election, this was after Donald Trump was voted in as president. And so I wrote this here, because I, I got up that next morning, and I was just like you. I was amazed that he won. Any of you amazed? I thought Hillary Clinton had it in the bag, because I listened to mainstream media, and I listened to the, you know, the polls, and blah, 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 blah. And so I was like, What? That's how I was. I mean, y'all probably have more faith and insight than me. But then I was like, Lord, I'm shocked at this. What's, I mean, what's, what's going on? And the Lord gave me Matthew 5 and 13. It said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Now, who's Jesus talking about there when he says you are the salt of the earth? The church, right? Now, it, in those days, salt, now how many of us know that we have an abundance of salt, right? You don't have any trouble going out and finding salt, except when this all first started, and I had to buy a 50-pound bag of salt. I think it may be 25. I don't know, because that's all Sam's had left. Guys, if you need salt, I've got it. I was out of salt, and there was literally no salt anywhere except for the industrial-sized bag of salt. How many of you have ever tried to bake bread or cook at all without salt? It is terrible. You don't want to do it. So you'll buy the 25 or 50 pound bag or whatever. So I've got salt, y'all. If you need it, just let me know. But he said here, you are the salt of the earth. But what would happen in that day is salt, they would sell salt and it was a valuable commodity. Right? And so in order to, when you have something valuable like that, what you do, how do you, how many of you have ever ran out of ketchup and you hadn't finished your tater tots yet? What do you do? You know, you've got the whole, you, put, you panic, well, this is what I would do. Put a little water in your ketchup bottle, just a little, and you give it. How many of y'all have done it? You give it that good shake to get all the stuff, and you kind of try to thicken it up, and you pour it back out, and you finish with that watered-down ketchup, right? It's not as good as the thick stuff, but in a pinch, and you have to finish your tater tots, it will do the job. Well, in that day, they would take salt, and in order to make it go further, what they add to it? Anybody know? Sand, because sand and salt have a lot of look-alike, right? So they would add salt to the sand, to the salt. But see what happens, and you could get away with it for a while, couldn't you? Because it still, you know, has the right propensities and the right, you know, combination. But then after a little while, you keep adding, mixing. Can you all say mixing? You start mixing sand in greater quantities into your salt, what have you got now? 
a lot of sand, a lot of grit. And what do you want to do with that? How many of you are going to put that on your, your chicken today that you're going to roast? It looks a lot like salt. It doesn't dissolve and it doesn't flavor. And it doesn't preserve. It's lost its saltiness. Why? Because it has become too mixed. And I wonder that if in our land, in the church, have we not become too mixed? You know what I'm talking about? The mixing of the corruption of the world into what we were supposed to be as salt. And so when I, after the election results, the Lord gave me this scripture, you are the salt of the earth. And then he also gave me Haggai 2.21, I will shake the heavens and I will shake the earth. And this is what he told me. Because I asked the Lord, what, what is, what's going to happen now to America? And the Lord spoke this to me. You can judge it. He said he would use Donald Trump as a salt shaker. That's what he said to me. He said that he would shake the church. He would use him to shake the church out of her place of complacency. He would use this administration to shake out the selfishness and the indulgence. He would use this time to shake his church awake, to come forth and to be not mixed and polluted with the things of the world. So I have been... I have been watching, and he said he would use him. This is what it said. I, I, may we be, this is my prayer afterwards. Lord, may we be shaken to engage the age and to make a difference and impact our world with the message of the cross of Christ. And I say that if we come to this place in our land where we are looking at what if it is worse days ahead? Wouldn't you rather be prepared than to be some Pollyanna pie in the sky who's got your heart so corrupted by sin and the mixture, trying to cling to that which you cannot maintain anyway? I would rather, Lord, do your work in these last days. Lord, raise up a church that is filled with your power. Raise us up as a people who have been awakened to the day and the hour that we will go forth with boldness and declare your cross. Yes, Deborah. No one would be saved. Yes. Well, it doesn't. Now, I know that many of us are like, no, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this. But I believe that the, I believe this with all my heart, that the Lord is positioning his church to a place of significant influence. I believe that. Now, we are delusional if we think as Americans we have a right to live in comfort and convenience and be raptured out of our Cadillacs. When the rest of the world, I mean, Elijah, you have family that lives in Nigeria. What are they enduring right now, the church in Nigeria? Persecution. 
to the point of a genocide of Christians. That's going on in Nigeria right now, today. His sister and brother-in-law are pastors there, right? Every day they're probably in fear of their life. Is that true? Not fear. They don't come to church because they're afraid they'll be murdered. This is Nigeria. No. That's them and not us. Yes. That's... Right, Voice of the Martyrs, yes. Right. Open fire. And we have to have a, I think what we need to do is prepare, first off, our heart. Our heart. There's no amount of bullets and beans that are going to save you. It's right. <laughs> you had what? A Hungarian. <laughs> during during World War Two, right? During World War Two. Yeah. Right. Yes. Could be. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Right. It's it's like it's true. Yeah, Randall. Oh, okay, hang. Hang on just a second. I'm going to get to this. Let's let's right here. Okay, Randall had his hand Yes. Mhm. Mhm. It's not that he's not speaking, it's sometimes we're not listening and retaining. I believe it. Today. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. 
Right. That's absolutely. I believe it. I I believe I believe that. Yeah, we got another one up here. We want to. Mm-hmm. It's been coming for years, slowly and quietly. Mm-hmm. I don't know, yeah. Because it didn't seem real. But now I think we're to the place. Absolutely. You know what? We have just let the, we've let the culture take over the church instead of the church rising up to the culture. Mm-hmm. Right, but see, and, I, and I, I agree with that too. I so agree with that, but see where I've moved from, the church has let this happen. The church has let, the church, right here, y'all, look. The church has let this happen. The church, and I said, God, remove anything in my life that offends you. God, let there be purity in my heart. I can't point fingers at pulpits that I don't stand behind. But every one of us stand behind a pulpit, and you're the greatest preacher to your own two ears. And what's coming out of your mouth is just an indicator of what's in your heart. And we've got to get our hearts right. I've got one right here, comment. Yep. Mhm. Mhm. Right. Who are you? Yes. Mhm. It's right. Absolutely. She's been listening, y'all. Yep. <laughs> To where nothing can defeat you. That's it. Right. Where communism seemed like a threat. Mm-hmm. 
Right. I, you're right. I agree with that so much. And I, I felt the Lord a few weeks ago, I shared it in the class and, or in the main service, that I feel like the Lord is going to send angelic encounters back to his church. That he's going to aid us with angels. And I, I believe that we're fixing to see that beginning to come because when angels show up, it, they show up in a time. They're not there just to give you a shoulder rub. You know what I'm talking about? When an angel shows up, it is generally, if you look in the Word of God, it's a crisis situation. They usually get you out of jail or they're moving you or they're showing up because you're in the middle of a storm and you're going to die. Yeah, and usually they, they do a little poking. They don't just, they're not, angels are not the most gentle creatures, are they? I saw a hand, but I'll go Elijah first, then we'll go to... Yes. 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 What would it look like if we had to believe the word? Absolutely. Remember that. But, and that's the thing, though. When, when preaching and teaching is going out, that's the voice of prophecy. We often ask, where are the prophets? If you're looking for soothsayers and someone to tell your future or give you the lottery numbers, you're, you, you're delusional. That's not how prophecy works, right? We know that. But you have to be, what I tell people all the time, where do I hear? When do I hear the voice of prophecy? You have to be present to win. You actually have to open up your ears to hear, and you have to be present in that moment. Mike, would you tell us what you said in Africa when this whole pandemic started, and we're stuck there, and we didn't know how for sure we were going to get home. We began to pray at the missionary's house, and there was a word that went forth about fear, and what was it? Come here. Come here. Come here. See, I make him. See, y'all, see how I boss him? I don't boss y'all. I'm more comfortable with him. I'm bossable. Okay. Well, we were sitting around the table after all this kind of came out, and the Lord just began to show me in a moment, in an instant, one of those downloads, so that fear would be so rampant in our land that it would literally overtake people's hearts to where they would be so gripped with fear that they would literally, in, inside their, their emotional breakdown because of fear. But it, like insane fear that was panic, just a terror, but that the church would arise with such peace as the Prince of Peace sits in our heart as the ruling as God is in our heart. He would give such an overwhelming sense of peace to the church that it would be an attraction to those that are panic stricken. Yes. So that's good. Yes, right here with Kim. Speak up loud. Talk as loud as you can. That's right. I thought it might look different, though. You? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
we always cast ourselves happy and successful and comfortable. Don't kind of, I feel like we kind of do that. I do. Yeah. Uh-huh. What clear vision was. Mm-hmm. What form it was going to take. But this is the church's finest hour. I believe that, and I'm not discouraged, and I'm not dismayed, because I know this. This is what I know. God is greater, and wherever the enemy comes in like a flood, what happens? The Spirit of the Lord does what? He lifts up the standard. God always has a greater response than the enemy. I didn't say that you might always not, you didn't have to go to battle sometimes, and there will. How many of us, we know the old Southern Gospel song, don't we? He never promised us. Victories without what? Battles. I mean, we have to have that. And we know that in the time of persecution and suffering, the church has always arisen to the occasion, and they have come forth as the stellar movement and the voice. And no matter how I believe the devil, this is what I, I know this, the devil is overplaying his hand right now. He is overplaying his hand. And what I mean by that, in the day that Jesus was crucified, what does the scripture say? Had they but known, had they but, hell is not omnipotent. We need to get that galvanized in our spirit. Hell is not omnipresent as far as Satan, right? I mean, the kingdom of darkness has no advantage on the kingdom of light. Tell me the last time that you turned the light on in a room and darkness won. If the bulb was working, light won, didn't it? Every time we have to get back to that understanding, God is greater, God is better, God is more mighty, God is more, and it's time for us, I'll get to you in just a second, Ethan, it is time for us as the church, as the body of Christ, as the bride, to stop pointing fingers at what has gone wrong and say, Lord, I expose my heart to you, and I ask you, Lord, to clean out every closet, clean out every nook and cranny. God, reveal to me everything that is not of you. I don't have time for bitterness. I don't have time for regret. I don't have time for pet sins. I don't have time to coddle and to promote and to comfort myself and to have my feelings hurt and to be offended at this or that or wham wham or be so caught up in what who did what to who. Get over it. I don't say that your suffering may not have been profound and real, but in this room, raise your hand if you've never suffered. There's not one hand that has a right to go up. We've all, how many of you have never suffered injustice? Golly! I tell my kids all the time as they're raising their kids, the greatest thing you can teach your kids is that the world is not fair. To teach children that everybody's the valedictorian is just dumb. The world is not fair, and we have to be people who grow a backbone. If a pandemic can keep us out of the house of God, then dear God, what's the worst that's going to happen to you? Tell me, the worst that's going to happen to you. Name it. Well, my gosh, sounds awful. 
See, we got to put stuff in perspective, don't we? I'm not saying any, I want anybody to get sick. I'm not saying I want any, I'm not saying, y'all hear me, don't you? But we have so magnified our security and safety to a place it can never be. It's fear. I saw it. Ethan, I'm sorry. Absolutely. So, see and hear from the Word of God. What is the one book you need to be in? The Word of God. You need to commit it to memory. You need to know it. And as we look here, we got 10 minutes. We're good. I believe a call is going out for us to wake up, to stir us to wake up, and to get up to start becoming what we're called to be. There are people that are, that are in this room right now. And God called you as a child to be a minister. He called you to do something. You knew it. You knew that stirring was there. Many people have run from the call of God because they knew it would cost them. They have not submitted fully to the will of God in their life because they thought it would be uncomfortable. It is. I told my son Jacob feels called into ministry, and this is how I encouraged him. I said, if you can do anything else, do it. If you can do anything else but go into ministry, do it. He said, why do you say that? I said, because if you can do anything else, you're probably not called. Because when you're called, you try to go this way. And you, I'm doing good. And, you, and it, it won't. It'll pull you back. It'll just keep pulling you back to that place of call. And you just can't. You finally get to the place. And he came to me and he said, Mom, I don't think I can do anything else. I said, then do it. And go for God with all of your heart. Because that's when you know that you're where you're supposed to be. But it is time to stop playing games. And it's time to stand up and let the Lord search us. I saw a hand, Deborah. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. Absolutely. God, how can you use me? Most of the people left and denied Christ. Wow. I hate to worship with hypocrites. Wow. 
Right. Wow, that's amazing. Yes. Seven fourteen. Yeah. Which are called by my name. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-mm. That's it. It's not a political office. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm good. You're good. Issues that are not. Right. That's it. Right. This is the. Ex- this is the examination time, and this is a great opportunity for us. Absolutely, because everything. Yes. God will take us places we've never been. Because... And because the Bible says he moves us from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from faith to faith. Do you see any diminishing there? If there's diminishing in your spiritual walk, it wasn't God. Glory to glory, strength to strength, faith to faith. Yes. And so we look. Yes, Ethan? (laughs) Okay, tell us and we'll decide. Crazy. 
we, I mean, we all do that. We go, maybe I had too much pizza. And we do, we see that the voice of, so we see the voice of prophecy goes forth, and when it, in, in, and before it happens, it seems very darkened and, and confusing sometimes because we don't have the full layout of things. And, and, and what I say, prophecy is not to scare. What is it for? To prepare. Prophecy is not to scare. It's to prepare. And our preparation should be heart preparation. It's time for the church to awaken, and it's time for us to ter- carry on with right focus. That Haggai says this. Um, let me find my... It says, verse 8 of chapter 1, go up to the mountain, bring down wood, and build the house. It's time for the church. Now, they were going up to a real mountain and bringing down real wood and building a real house. But it's time for the church to go up to the mountain of prayer. To bring down wood. What's the only wood we need to bring down, y'all? Come on. The cross. The wood, the only wood we need to bring down is the cross that's already been accomplished. Go down, go up to the mountain and bring down wood and do what? Build the house. It's time for us to get our focus in line with what heaven's focus is. And it's not maybe on building our 401ks, which please do whatever you do for future. I'm not telling you to cash that out. You didn't hear that here, did you? I'm telling you that preparation is more than just material things. I'm telling you that preparation is about the heart of a person. And to be so attuned to the spirit of God that if he says go right you know how to go right if he says go left you know how to go left there are so many people that can't even discern the voice of God in their life because they haven't practiced hearing spiritual things and so many times he's tried to stop you from doing things or you try to hear the voice of God and you what turned out not to be God that's time for you to stop and say if it didn't happen the way I thought and I thought that was the voice of God help me Lord to distinguish your voice Because, you know, there's always three voices going on in your head, right? Yours, Satan's, or it could be God's. And many times we need to figure out what the, which is which. And the best way you can do that is know the word. Know the character of God, know the person of God, know what he did in the past, know what he'll do in the future, know who God is. I've told you all this so many times I just want to fall on the floor and roll around. Get in the word. If you don't know the word, get in the word. If you're only spending the first five minutes a day reading your verse of the day, that's not sufficient. I challenge you to eat that much food. It's time to get in the word. I'm not a good reader. I don't care. Make yourself a good reader. Listen to the word. Turn the TV off and turn the word on. Judge what goes into your eye gate and your ear gate. Right? And then you'll hear what comes out of your mouth gate. You need to know these things. This is so important. This is not new stuff. This is just stuff we still need to be doing. But most importantly, say, if you're not right with God, say, God, I relinquish relinquish every bit of my life to you today. I don't want to go another step. I don't want to take another moment. I don't want to consume another breath of air and waste it on a life that's not submitted to you. And let the Lord challenge all of your stupid ideas because you got them and so do I let the Lord challenge all of your erroneous foundations let him kick over the sacred cows we call our opinions and let him construct us as the house of God that we will be a glorious church without spot nor wrinkle the bride of Christ who has made 
herself ready. It's not my responsibility to make you ready. It's your responsibility. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the washing of the water of the word, to let the Lord make you a fit habitation, the house of God. Lord, seal your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.